I think this is a challenge that a lot of organizations in the broader ST and innovation space are facing. You know, the whole idea of transitioning technology from the, the concept or PowerPoint stage all the way into program of record or, you know, in the hands of a PEO. One of the things that we at Lucid Ensign are really starting to do, and we've tried to do this, especially in our hackathons program, is to make sure that the problem that you are actually solving does have uh, or is linked to a broader initiative within the department. This is Undiluted, the show about the amazing founders and companies who've used government R&D grants, contracts, and sales to build their products, grow their companies, and keep their equity. We're Katie Person and Gene Kesselman from MIT, and Jeff Orzum from FedScout. And on today's show, we talk with Kedar Pavki, Program Manager at the National Security Innovation Network, or ENSIN, about how they help university teams work with the DoD and his support to one of his hackathon winners, Distributed Spectrum, to mature their defense engagement. Over the last 10 years, the DoD has set up a dozen different programs to engage startups and bring new technologies to the DoD. The 75th Innovation Regiment Scouts, AFWorks Funds, and Ensign is tasked with growing the DoD's connection to universities and students. So they're almost always working with people that have never been in the military or who have had significant personal exposure to DoD culture and operations. But even if their cultural connection is weak, their technology can be strong. When we talked to Distributed Spectrum, a team of three Harvard undergraduates who created a novel cybersecurity technology, they credited a lot of their interest, growth, and success with the DoD to Ensign generally and to one person in particular. I became interested in defense innovation very truthfully in graduate school. I took a class uh, called Technology and War with Professor Tom Mankin over at the Johns Hopkins uh, School of Advanced International Studies. The class itself was centered on looking at different military systems and the history of how those systems were developed, especially to address the you know, ongoing geopolitical situation at the time. So breaking down why certain ships were made you know, in the 1920s because of the, the Naval Convention, looking at plane design, looking at the modern day uh, technology development. So with that class, actually, I really wanted to take that and actually run with it into the defense technology S&T space. But my immediate job after graduate school was actually management consulting. So it wasn't quite a direct line from the classroom into a seat here at Ensign. But eventually I did find myself as a program manager here. And ever since I've been at Ensign, I really, do, I really have enjoyed it and have been able to not only reflect on the stuff I did learn in the classroom, but also look at the uh, way that we could shape all the future tech and future innovation that's happening right now. For parts of the audience who don't, uh, aren't familiar with Ensign, can you talk a little bit about that organization? Sure. The Ensign stands for the National Security Innovation Network. It is a program office reporting to the Defense Innovation Unit and broadly reporting to the Undersecretary of Defense for Research and Engineering that is focused on finding non-traditional problem solvers in the early stage venture and academic communities. Ensign pursues its mission really through three lines of effort. First is collision programming. So hackathons, human design events, other types of competitions to find non-traditional problem solvers and link them with the department, folks in the department. The second line of effort is our national service portfolio, which focuses on bringing STEM talent into the department through hiring actions, fellowships, and other opportunities. 
And finally, our acceleration portfolio is centered on early stage ventures and helping them find resources, capital, mentorship opportunities to actually become successful ventures so that they can start building technology and you know selling it and actually serving the, the DoD end user for the long haul. Can you give some examples of what those look like in practice? Sure. So I'm going to be a little biased here and choose my own program as the collision program. So I'm the hackathons manager uh, here at Ensign. So I set up and manage the competitions uh, to find novel concepts, early stage technologies that are focused on solving key Department of Defense modernization problems. So to give you an example, I'm actually running a hackathon right now that is focused on using uh, mixed reality technology to help cybersecurity operators better visualize and act upon the types of data that they're seeing on a day-to-day basis. The theory of the case being that there's a lot of information that cyber operators have to deal with and visualizing it and gamifying it in a way would help them reduce cognitive burden, which in turn would make them better analysts and better operators. The other thing being that in situations that are a little bit more expeditionary, where there's not as much bandwidth or energy or there are other you know, physical constraints, there should be a way to actually conduct cyber operations using mixed reality technology. And this hackathon is really designed to find out the, the best way to do it and what the art of the possible is. Our hackathons designed to start technology companies or dual use technology companies. Yeah, so our the Ensign Hacks program is really designed for two purposes. Uh, one, to find early stage ventures that are you know, focused on the problem set for that specific competition and to encourage student teams to take part in it. And if they're successful and they really foster them and give them the opportunities to try and form a business around it. We've had both sets of winners in our past and both sets of you know program participants in our past. There's not really one. I've always had this discussion with uh, my coworkers as to like, should we just go all in on the startups? And then the retort I always get is, and this is actually a real world case example. We had a hackathon in fiscal year 2019, so March, March, April, 2019, there was someone who came on the last possible day of a hackathon in person in San Diego. This student turned in his solution at the very last possible minute. And to that point, the program manager at the time, my predecessor was debating whether or not to accept it. Ultimately they accepted it and that student ended up winning. And his solution was actually quite brilliant. It's, it essentially involves nanomaterials and the fabric, uh, not the fabric, I'm sorry, the plastics on radio is lighter using a different com- uh, composite technology. If he hadn't won that hackathon, he wouldn't have done the research the, on the technology and produce a prototype of the technology that has actually been tested out with the special forces. And this, when he won the hackathon, he was a junior in college. So. That sort of story is like the, I always use that example because if that sort of person exists and we would love to, we need to find those sort of people to help solve the department's missions. And our hope is that we fi- we keep finding them and th- they keep producing ideas and technologies that will, you know, g- come into the department and help end users down the line. I'm curious what your, what kinds of things you hear from the communities you're engaging and what you think the perceptions are. I think engaging with the DoD is an inherently unwieldy business. It is quite literally the world's largest bureaucracy and understanding how to approach parts of the department, what the best avenues in are, how to communicate with the department are some of the biggest challenges that anyone, whether or not they're a startup will face. I almost see our role here at Ensign as being bureaucracy translators. So taking the, the problem sets, the people within the department, 
and translating it for the outside community. With this hackathon, for example, we can't give the, the, all the details about cyber, the Navy's cybersecurity challenges, but we can you know, translate those challenges in a way that will invite startups or students to come and think about the problem, which in turn will bring new talent concepts for the folks who actually do need it on the other side. What I found is that trying to just removing some of the jargon, making it easy to understand for the outside world, so to speak. Once folks do get it, then they become really passionate about what this mission is, and they'll actually become more willing to be a part of that mission and try and contribute. So we just had a conversation with a team from the team from Distributed Spectrum, and they were super fun to talk to. Their story could be very much the the Mark Zuckerberg young team coming out of a Ivy League university. They could have you know created some social media, God knows what startup, but they decided to take they decided to take their company in, in a defense direction, and it, which was unusual. It was a little surprising to me. That's not the path that I think of super talented 22 year olds going in. So I know that you were a big part of their story. I'd love to hear your experience of meeting them and what was that conversation like? Yeah, Distributed Spectrum, their story to your point is fascinating. And I continue to enjoy whatever small line in the, that chapter I could uh, be a part of one day. But they actually came to Ensign as part of a hackathon we ran last year. This hackathon was called Mad Hacks Fury Code, and it was centered on finding solutions for vehicle cybersecurity problems within the Army. The original problem sponsor was the Ground Vehicle Systems Center, which is one of the Army's offices that's focused on developing, doing research and development on the next generation of Army vehicles. One of their focus areas is building out robotic vehicles and semi-autonomous vehicles. And one of the big challenges is if those vehicles get hacked, how do you actually protect them and restore them back to their original operating capacities so that they can continue doing their mission even in uh, more challenging circumstances? So that was really the basis for the hackathon. Distributed Spectrum solution was quite clever and it really involved looking at the electromagnetic spectrum and being able to quickly identify what are friendly signals and not friendly signals. Their technology is, it's quite flexible. It is relatively cheap to implement and develop. And it also has dual use purposes. So you can use it not only for military applications, but also for commercial applications and industrial applications as well. So from when you're looking at the potential for their solution and potential for their product, it's quite high. So when they came to the hackathon, they engaged with the mentors, they understood what the problem set was, and then they quickly realized that if they take their proposed technology and modify it just a little bit for military purposes, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to actually solve the problem and solve the solve different types of problems within the department. Um, so from that, uh, Distributed Spectrum actually won the grand prize at that hackathon a contract of about $25,000 to not only continue doing customer discovery that they began at the hackathon, but to use some of the, that capital to either prototype or engage with the end user, do a little more customer discovery, just keep on talking and keep on engaging with the, the department. But with that time, as they came on to that follow-on work, I got to know them a lot better. And then what I quickly realized was that this was a team that was driven. They a lot of startup teams, they have a great idea, but the, the people around them may not be fully uh, on the same page or they may not have the same level of ambition. But I could tell that every single, every bi-weekly meeting that I had with them, 
these guys were driven. They wanted to succeed. They wanted to do the work. And for me, that's actually, that was energizing. I wanted to help them succeed in that, in that way and do whatever that I could to take them to the next level. So as they got, you know, as I got to know them better, I realized that some of their, the gaps that they would face would be just understanding the department and communicating with the department. A classic story I love to pick on them for is teaching them how to address different types of personnel within DOD. So how do you refer to everyone in the department or how do you refer to a Marine or an airman or a guard? So the, that Department of Defense 101 was a lot of our early conversations. And then from there, looking at where should they actually focus their business development efforts down the line? What sort of opportunities should they keep, be keeping an eye out for? How do you think about a proposal? What is the best way to team if you need to do that? A lot of those very business one-on-one, DOD one-on-one conversations, small businesses need to learn. We were doing because of the their willingness to be a part of that market. How much of a problem do you think that it is to, for this DOD communications skills gap, if this didn't exist, would the DOD see more interesting tech startups, medium-sized businesses, large businesses interacting and solving its problems? Potentially. And I think one of the problems is that the, the D culture within DOD is... It is going to be, it is a little slow to change. There is, it is again, a large bureaucracy and getting folks to be accepting of smaller teams, smaller startups. They may not know the defense space. That may not be one of the big prime contractors and knows their way around the Pentagon or a program executive office. I felt that in order for them to succeed, they had to understand that base level, that base level almost cultural knowledge before they could move on and actually grow as a business. How were you, or you know, how was Distributed Spectrum creating that daisy chain of progressively larger funding to, to sustain their business? I, I think this is a challenge that a lot of organizations in the broader ST and innovation space are facing. The whole idea of transitioning technology from the, you know, the concept or PowerPoint stage all the way into program of record or you know in the hands of a PEO. One of the things that we at Lucid Ensign are really starting to do, and we've tried to do this, especially in our hackathons program, is to make sure that the problem that you are actually solving does have uh, or is linked to a broader initiative within the department. Ms. Heidi Shu, the Undersecretary of Defense for Research and Engineering, outlined a set of modernization priorities for the entire for the entire Department of Defense. Within each of those priorities are areas that a lot of startups and especially a lot of dual use startups will fit in. So. Distributed spectrum are going to fit into AIML, sensor, next generation of sensors, different types of computing. You name the priority, you can probably match them up to it. With those priorities will inherently come funding. So it's a matter of, first of all, making sure that you're addressing the priority. And then second, knowing who owns the priorities within the department and then finding your way to number one, talking to them. And then number two, when, you know, either RFPs or sorry, requests for proposals or contract opportunities to come out, you understand that your technology is able to solve the problem that is being asked, asked of by the government. I think just, I, I think almost like you having that knowledge is going to set you apart from a lot of startups that are just throwing proposals or SBIRs at the wall and make and getting frustrated when it doesn't work out. It should be ultimately like in solving a problem that the end user does have before before you uh, you think about coming into this business. I think you've done a great job painting the bookends. They, they came into the process through this challenge, 25K, and the other end of the spectrum, we have program of record, which is going to be defined and fundamentally funded. What about in between, though? 
you know, so what is that? If that's a two to three year cycle at best, what what was going on to help them fill in the, the space in between? Yeah, so immediately after they finished their work with Ensign or their follow-on work from the hackathon, they entered a second program with Ensign called Vector, which was really focused on teaching them the, I'm going to call it Defense Business 101. So this program was really set up because we found that a lot of our alumni companies, uh, especially the ones that had either set up after a hackathon or after our Hacking for Defense class, didn't quite have all the skills needed to pursue business with the department. To give you all an example of setting up cage codes and DUNS numbers or registering on SAM.gov. These are what I call like the, the table stakes of contracting, the, the bare minimum that you need to even pursue any sort of SBIR or other transaction contract with the government. I mean, if you don't have that, there's just basically impossible to do it. A lot of our companies just didn't do any of this, the registration there. So to understand that you have to go on these sites and register and have a formal business plan and all of that, they, they were taught th that through this program. After that, that program did start opening up their eyes as to what other opportunities are there for their, you know, for the for their technology or for whatever else that they're looking to do. So the distributed spectrum found a business opportunity through that program and are still working that opportunity, I guess, as we speak. Other teams have done similarly, or they found partners in the prime uh, contractor community to team with. Other other stuff that is happening in outside of DOD in the civilian sector. So the National Science Foundation, for example, like has a number of opportunities for earlier stage teams. But it, you need to almost come in and understand how to be a government contractor before you can take any of those follow-on steps. Was Ensign a critical facilitator in some of this networking? I would like to think so. I, I think our our network of of folks who are across the country, I think the programming that we have to fill in the gap here does allow these teams to understand the government and defense markets in a way that they would not have if Ensign did not exist. And I say that because a lot of the contracting opportunities in space are very much designed for existing prime contractors or businesses that have been around for a while or folks who have worked in prime con the prime contracting business or with other government contractors. But for a startup that has never done anything with the government before or that is focused exclusively on technology, it's really not that easy or straightforward to get there. And from that measure, Ensign is almost like a front door for those organizations, for those, those uh, companies to come in and say, all right, how do I do business with DOD or the broader uh, you know, government? Like, where would I start? What do I have to do? And then where would I go? Who do I reach out to? That's, uh, I really, I think the gap that Ensign does fill, and I think we really do enjoy doing it as we, uh, we really enjoy filling that gap. Given where dispute, distributed spectrum is today, where would you, what would you expect the next couple of years to look like if everything went perfectly? So what's going to be interesting for them, and I've told them this directly, we, we still have our calls every two weeks. So I think I'm seeing them next week, if I'm not mistaken. But I think now that they have this time, now that they're graduating from Harvard and are going to be full-time pursuing their startup, I would expect that the BD portion of their work is going to become significantly more important than they, it has been up until this point. They started in quite literally their house, their undergraduate house. They developed their business into what it is into based on all their constraints as they've had as students. The next stage is going to be, all right, how do you take what you have and build on top of it, given all the time you have and the infinite number of ways you can go and pursue your business. I would expect that some of the work that they, the three of them in, have been doing concurrently 
is going to start splitting up a little bit more. They'll have a little bit more defined roles and responsibilities, which I think is a good thing. If someone has to focus on the technology, someone's going to have to focus on the business, someone's going to have to focus on the people portion of the business. And that's how they're going to have to grow as a company. I am very excitedly, I'm really excited to see how they actually pursue it. And if anyone can pull it off, I really hope it's those three. Are there some good rules of thumb about, or trends you've seen among the companies who've been successful, whether it's the hackathons or other ends and lines of support? Very truthfully, I, I don't think there's a one model for a successful team, either as an for Ensign or as a hackathon team. I would say that the broad mission of Ensign is really to find non-traditional problem solvers wherever they exist. Whether that is a student startup team that's based out of Harvard that has taken a semester off because of COVID or a graduate student team that has a fantastic idea that they're now trying to commercialize or an early stage venture that has a successful uh, product in the commercial space that's trying to transition to the defense space. I don't think there's a single model of success. And really, I think the message I would encourage is that anyone who's even remotely curious about what the Department of Defense does or wants to be part of that mission really should look into the variety of programs that Ensign offers and come take part in it. So Distributed Spectrum had the luxury of talking with you every other week for the last year and a half. Perhaps there's teams listening to this podcast now who are saying, you know what, that that could be us. What would you tell them if they're that early? I would say, the first of all, come and be a part of the broader Ensign network. That'd be my first message. We have people quite literally across the country and we're always looking for new innovators, new entrepreneurs to you know, come and solve the problems that the department's facing. But the second thing I'd say is that once you do get connected, I think it's, I think it's an opportunity to try and learn everything the stuff that does exist in DOD, the problem sets, the people, and especially if you are a good problem solver or you have a great solution that you wanna try and bring to the department, I think it's worth a shot to come and try and do that. The department I think presents, people have said that it's a $700 billion market and it's a you know, great funder of early stage teams and a great one of the largest prototypers in the world. I think that in and of itself should be the message for any of those teams. And I would strongly encourage them to you know come and check it out. That was Kadar Pavki with Ensign, and we know that the federal market is complex, so for more resources, visit us at fedscout.com.